I, I tell people COVID is a simulation of retirement. Yeah, this is basically how retirement is going to be for you when you turn 75 or 80 or whenever it is. You know, I, yeah. I, think, uh, I think that's how you should see it. And uh, if you haven't really saved up for this, or obviously if you're young, obviously it's not really matter. But if you're, say, in your 30s or 40s or 50s, I think if you haven't saved up for it, it's, it's a good point for you to think about start saving, you know, because the earlier you do, as I said, the better it is for you for the long run. Pratik, thank you for joining today. I'm very excited to be talking to you uh, for two reasons. One, we want to understand investing and money right now because uh, money has become more and more uh, visible or invisible in our lives at the moment. And and, then we can get some tips and learnings from you. And second is, uh, you know, understanding more in terms of where do you see, where do you see young millennials and young people? Where do you see that where should they be focusing? But let's begin with you first. Let's get to know you better. So tell me, before heading the passive funds in Motilal Uswal Asset Management, what were you doing? Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks, Radha. Thank you for having me. You know, look forward to having a great conversation. Uh, you know, so before, obviously, uh, so I started, uh, so when I, before I was heading passive funds at MOMC, uh, I was actually not in India. I was I was working and studying abroad. Uh, I left my house very very early at the age of sixteen or seventeen years old, and I've pretty much going been going back and forth. Uh, I've lived in multiple continents, so I've lived in the UK, lived in the US twice, uh, East as well as West Coast. Uh, lived for a little bit in Hong Kong, so I have a little bit of a global experience. But uh, before this, I was actually working in a very fast growing tech startup in Silicon Valley. Uh, it was actually a lot of fun. Uh, I never expected it to be so much fun, but we ended up growing very quickly. Uh, what we were basically doing is, uh, you know, creating uh, these uh, investment solutions for advisors in the U.S. You know, so a very niche product, uh, but uh, it ended up scaling up very quickly. Uh, I think when I started, we were like four or five people and we were managing around 30 to 40 million dollars. We went up to almost half a billion dollars in a year and a half. So we grew very quickly, uh, grew our team to like 25, 30 people. And also, you know, went to that entire Silicon Valley sort of, sort of route, you know, went into Y Combinator took money from VC investors, all of that. Uh, so that was a lot of fun, you know. So uh, what I realized is that, you know, the VC industry is actually much smaller than what most people feel. So I think that was a big learning out there. And again, I think uh, in addition to my more traditional experience, you know, so first half of my 20s, I worked in more traditional finance, uh, investment banking, private equity, and second half in sort of technology. So hopefully I can combine the two uh, now. You had passive funds at uh, Motilal Oswal. Tell me, about passive funds and, and 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 give us an understanding of mutual funds and more so Pratik in the context of today. So you know, so passive funds are uh, are instruments that are actually very popular in other parts of the world. You know, so in fact, uh, I was talking about my previous company. We were actually creating solutions on top of passive funds. You know, that's when I actually discovered the scalability of of these products. And when I came back to India. I think that was around a year and a half ago. I realized that there is not a lot of market for passive funds today, not a lot of interest. You know, people don't really know what they are. So I think that's how I sort of went out there and creating these products. But essentially what they are is actually, you know, passive funds are a lot more simpler products to invest in. You know, so today, if you look at uh, the complexity in the Indian mutual fund landscape is actually quite high. You know, we yeah. had the first mutual fund in the 1980s. And now you have like, I don't know, 5,000, 6,000 mutual funds. You know, you have these acronyms, AIF, PMS, ETFs, REITs. So, you know, so the investing landscape has become a lot more, I would say, um, 
uh, it's much harder for you to figure out what to do in that landscape. So passive funds make it a lot easier. You know, so you have those 10,000 options by just having a passive fund in your portfolio. You're taking that 10,000 and coming, make, coming and making it come down to say maybe five or 10 options. So I think yeah. in terms of in terms of effectiveness, you know, that are you know, honestly as good as any other funds out there. Uh, they're also low low cost. Uh, basically, you are saving a lot more money in fees, which I think today a lot of people are talking about. But essentially, just to define what they are, you know, so there are two styles of investing. One is called active investing and the other one is called passive investing. In active investing, which is obviously the more prominent one in India, you're basically giving your money to a professional to manage right. it for you. You know, so mm. he's called a fund manager. And mm. uh, basically, so, and he charges you one to 2%, whatever it is every year. And he takes a call about which stock to buy, which stock to sell, all of that. So mm. in passive investing, it's actually the not opposite, but basically you're not relying on an, a fund manager. You're basically putting your money into a, something called an index. Uh, the, the popular uh, words that uh, a lot of the users will know about is uh, Sensex and Nifty. You know, yeah. They're basically indicators of how broader markets perform. So ideally, what you're doing in an index fund is trying to replicate the returns of that broader market. So if the Sensex, if you're invested in, say, uh, a Nifty-based fund or a Sensex-based fund, uh, then uh, if, the, if the Nifty goes up by 10%, your portfolio will also go up by 10%. So I think it's a lot more transparent, a lot more simpler. Um, obviously, I think um, the reason why it's quite popular, at least in the developed world, is because people have realized that I think uh, uh, simpler products tend to be a lot more effective than more complex products, which is why they're very popular. And I think they are getting a lot more popular in India as well. How do people get to know about if it is simple, then at least people like me who have who are actually scared of all the financial terminologies. And I'm sure there'll be many, many like me. How, how do people get to know about them? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm trying my best to raise awareness for passive funds. <laughs> you know, so I think uh, there's not a lot of proponents, at least in the, uh, in the investing world for passive funds. Uh, it's because it's, so I think, uh, I think the first step is to actually figure out why you should invest. You know, so I think that is the number one question. Most people feel that they should invest because of goals or because of retirement. I think that is secondary. The most important uh, reason why I invest is because of inflation. You know, inflation has uh, destroyed a lot of value. You know, money sitting in a bank account today uh, will make you poorer and poorer every year because especially in metropolitan cities, inflation tends to be a lot higher. So I think number one thing is to actually, actually you know, like uh, conclude that boss, you know, I need to invest. I need to make sure that I need to invest to make sure my uh, savings or my purchasing power uh, capacity is maintained uh, over my lifetime. I think second is to obviously figure out what to do. You know, I, I do think that uh, when you're looking at mutual funds, I think there's two typical options. One is either you can buy stock or you can buy mutual funds. Uh, what at least I've learned is that uh, buying stocks is extremely difficult, you know, and uh, trading itself is something which, you know, I don't recommend, you know, I think trading is bad for your wealth. Uh, not many people make money of trading. I think there's a saying uh, that money normally goes from the impatient to the patient. So I think mutual funds end up becoming the best, uh, I think, um, vehicle for your long-term investments. And within mutual, mutual funds, I think passive funds uh, can be a simpler, I would say, um, I would say avenue where you can, you know, put your money for long-term purposes. Yeah, you know, Pratik, now that now that you said that putting money in the bank might not be the best thing is like, you know, this this budget or last budget, the FD rates have anyways come down, right? Like yeah. earlier, Thaki bank medaldo or the hega kuch interest aate rahega, and it's and, and we feel secure. Wo interest bhi nahi aada, kyunki, you know, because of the new uh, policy, the new change. Why would you tell young people, why would you tell uh everyone that look at investing and look at mutual fund and look at yeah. investing in passive funds. 
Yeah. So, you know, I am actually uh, more, um, I think investing is more important for young people today than I think, uh, more, I think uh, the value of investing or the value of compounding, which I think is a very important term, happens when you invest early. You know, so just give you, I can give you an example. Uh, so if you look at Warren Buffett, you know, so he says that uh, I'm a big fan. So if, if he, he says that, um, you know, he started investing at 11 and his only regret today is that he'd never started earlier. You know, so I do think that the, uh, the, the trick is to not investing, right, is to investing early. Uh, because mm-hmm. if you look at his fortune, you know, I, just to give you an example, he t- took him, what, 50 or 55 years to get to a billion dollars and another 20 years to get him from 1 billion to 100 billion. So I think the power of compounding is something which uh, our minds cannot really, I think, uh, I mean, our minds work in a very linear way, whereas compounding is actually quite exponential. So I think the trick for investing is to start as early as possible. You know, I get tons of questions. When should I start investing? Should I invest yeah. after I get married, after I get settled? But that is absolutely wrong. You know, start investing today. And because the money you invest today starts uh, multiplying, starts tripling, quadrupling, maybe 6x every year in the next 15, 20 years. So I think the trick is to start early. I think that is the most important, uh, I would say, point I want to make, uh, which is why I think, you know, young people uh, should ideally, you know, start investing ASAP and making sure that at least you have some goals in mind. Uh, I do feel that most people end up investing without any purpose, which I think is not really recommended because then you lose discipline, you know, you invest and then post COVID, you'll probably forget about it and all of that. I think if you have a certain goal in mind, if you have retirement or if you have certain goals, it keeps you disciplined and it keeps you involved in good as well as bad markets, especially it's bad markets where I think you really need to, you know, I think hold your psychology and, and keep on investing. Money was always a precious commodity, but today money has become so, so precious. And there is a sense of insecurity when it comes to money because we just don't know, right? We don't know about the job market. We don't know about what is going to happen. And if today you have to tell to people, because we are all, we all have very limited resources. How do you think we should be looking at deploying that little bit of money that we have? Yeah. So, you know, if you look at COVID, it's very interesting. I, I tell people COVID is a simulation of retirement. You know, so right. this is basically, <laughs> yeah, this is basically how retirement is going to be for you when you turn 75 or 80 or whenever it is. You know, I, yeah. I think uh, I think that's how you should see it. And uh, if you haven't really saved up for this, or obviously if you're young, obviously it's not really matter, but if you're say in your 30s or 40s or 50s, I think if you haven't saved up for it, it's, it's a good point for you to think about start saving, you know, because the earlier you do, as I said, the better it is for you for the long run. So I do think that, uh, you know, for all investors today, at least uh, the good thing is that at least people understand the value of savings, the value of investments. Uh, and I also talked about why putting money in a bank account is not really value creative. You know, so uh, if you look at the value of, say, I know Amul butter 35 years ago, used to be two and a half, three rupees. Today, it's a few hundred rupees. I think inflation is quite high. So the only way you can do it is by participating in equity. Uh, and that is via, I would say, mutual funds. So I do think that uh, that is a very simple approach. Um, I think um, as opposed to, you know, doing a huge amount today, uh, what I would recommend investors is to, you know, have a staggered way of approach, you know, make sure that out of your 100 rupees of, uh, of, say, of, of say, income that you get from your job or wherever it is, make sure. So what most people do is they end up spending first and saving later. I think I recommend the opposite. You know, if you have, say, 100 coming in, maybe, maybe save 20, 25 of that, uh, maybe more if you can uh, on, on, say, mutual funds or whatever it is, you know, have a diversified portfolio and the rest you can you know exactly what to spend on i think that is what uh, there is a right approach and that's how really good savers do uh, apart from that you know do not get um, disheartened by volatility in the markets you know markets are 
uh, can be great but can also be quite bad so the idea behind saving is to be continuous you know in good times as well as bad times in fact the value of savings increases dramatically in bad times you know so uh, what what most people see is that bad times is an opportunity to take to buy things cheap uh, which is why i think i do recommend investors to just invest it uh, regardless of and also i think it's important to have some sort of liquidity you know i think uh, people have also realized that they can't over invest you know at all times i think it's good to have an emergency fund or maybe 5 or 10% of your savings in in a liquid or somewhere where you can actually you know if something happens you know you always that's always there to for you to go out and spend give us a very neutral unbiased point of view when it comes to equity investment versus investing in uh, mutual funds yeah so um you know so there's a saying that you know you either you either are an investor or a speculator the problem is today's in today's at least people who are coming into the equity markets they tend to be speculators and not investors you know they don't want to they don't want to they don't care about buying businesses for 5 10 15 years i think they care more about buying something at 100 and selling at 150 uh, which i think uh, does not work you know unfortunately you know i think the only way to creating wealth is i think getting rich slow is is what the motto is you know i think uh, i mean our um, the problem is even our genetics you know for some reason go against us you know we have speculative genes in it so it's very hard for us to stay away from you know sort of speculation and trying to you know like make quick money but unfortunately you know i've seen hundreds of thousands of investors you know we have a huge list of investors with us and uh, it's it's not really something which uh, in fact we we openly tell people that you know most cases you will lose money so i think what i what i would recommend is to uh, is to not not like you know i think uh, what i've also learned is that it's very hard to you know i think not do something you want to do so yeah. um I, yeah so i think you know if someone wants to experiment in the in the stock market they should do it with a small amount of your wealth you know so maybe if you have a corpus of 100 maybe put like 85 or 90 in say the long term investing mutual fund where you will not touch it for a very long time and then obviously you can play around with the 10 or 15 rupees or whatever 10 or 15% which you can go out there and see if you can actually create value out of that uh that's what i would recommend uh, you know because it sort of fits both uh, both things uh but yeah from history i think you know it's 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 very it's it's it is very difficult i don't recommend it um but obviously and i do think that people there is a lot of uh, you call it a, a cognitive dissonance basically people you know i think um, um people who are actively trading they should ideally know that you know they're doing it more for fun than for anything else so i think that is something which people should know when they historically how have the mutual funds performed here in our country since they you know since it started yeah so last, last 10 years have not been great uh, especially post covid i think if you look at it from today itself i think uh, mutual funds have done decently well uh, but not great i think last 5 years has hasn't been great for the mutual funds for the markets in general but i do think that you know, obviously there are periods of good times and bad times but if you look at it from say 15 20 25 years when the markets have done phenomenally well i think um, equity is the only asset class i think apart from coal that has managed to beat inflation consistently over over long term periods so i do think that it is a very effective asset class uh, i also feel the need to diversify you know i think uh, you know you even if you um, have india as a country risk which obviously will do really well in the future i think it's important to look at global markets as well so i do recommend investors to have a mix of say india and say us or some other country because it adds to Uh, a lot of um, i think diversification lowers your portfolio volatility all of that but uh, overall yes you know i think last 10 years have have been have been good not great but i think if you see it from a long term uh, perspective then i do think that 
uh, equity as an asset class is uh, probably the best one that you could bank on. Many of the youngsters and many of the people in the tech and at least the world that we decide in the startup entrepreneur world, if we have to sitting here out of India, want to invest in Amazon, Facebook, Google, how do you do that? Yeah, it's uh, it's actually become a big trend now. So so in fact, so we have benefited because we have some funds which uh, help you invest, help investors invest abroad. But uh, I think um, a lot of investors are coming in for the wrong reasons. You know, so as I said, a lot of investors are coming in because they feel they can uh, get thirty percent, forty percent, fifty percent returns, which is which has happened over the last three or four years. Which I do think that they will be disappointed. Uh, so yes, you know that that is something which um, is great if you are doing it as a means of diversification. So if your means of adding to your India portfolio, so if you want to add say ten to fifteen or twenty percent of your equity portfolio, then it makes perfect sense. So make sure it's you keep it keep it stagnant for a long time. But uh, if you're looking to sort of you know trying to chase the growth that has happened, you know, then obviously, um, at least I feel that, you know, you will be disappointed at some point of time. So we, I'm, I'm constantly telling people that don't invest because you think performance is good. Invest because you actually believe in diversification and nothing else. Uh, yeah. So I think, uh, yes, there's a lot of interest out there. Uh, I do think it's, the, it's, it's, it's a combination of the right and bad interest. But overall, I think, uh, so I have, mon- I have managed money for, uh, for people in the US. My previous company, we had 800 to 1,000 really ultra HNI clients. And all of them had between 20 to 40% allocation towards global equities. So this is outside the US. And I saw the same phenomena in the UK and also in Hong Kong. So I think it's not a very uncommon strategy. Uh, it's very niche in India, but I do think that in the next five or 10 years time, uh, most investors will have some allocation towards uh, global equities. So I think it's a good space to be. And how do you, how do, you do that? Do you, do you have... Yeah. Yeah. So there's two ways of doing it. Uh, one is by sending money abroad, like literally sending money abroad through something called uh, like a liberalized uh, remittance scheme. So it's basically mm. uh, you have a few brokers in India who are giving you that option. I think uh, it's, 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 it's a little bit more expensive side today, but hopefully costs will come down over time. Uh, so that is one way of doing it by opening a broking account in the US through a broker out here. Uh, and you can go out there and buy stocks. Uh, the other way is obviously via mutual funds. You know, you can actually buy any of the global mutual funds. There are I think around 35 or 40 mutual funds that give you good access to global um, opportunities. Um, so I, th- I think that's, and that's pretty much a lot easier. You know, you don't have to do much. There's no um, regulation behind uh, the size of uh, investment. Um, it's, it's like investing in any other mutual fund out here. Super easy. Um, there is no disclosures involved, nothing. So it's slightly easier and flexible approach. So you can basically choose between the two. And then if we have to participate in the passive fund, how do how how does one go about it? Yeah, so for passive funds, there's two options. One is called ETFs and the other one is called index funds. Um, so both are uh, pretty much very similar. So ETFs are basically mutual funds that are listed on the exchange. So when you buy an ETF, you're basically instead of buying one, the stock of say Reliance or TCS, you're buying a stock uh, which is uh, a basket of uh, stocks together. Uh, that are basically following the Nifty or the Sensex or whatever. I mean, there are hundreds of indexes out there. So that is how you can get exposure to the ETF. Uh, you can also buy it through the mutual fund route. So uh, we obviously, so there are around 10 to 15 mutual funds today who are giving you access to good quality index funds. So, uh, so in fact, you can buy index funds across large cap, mid cap, small cap, you know, multi cap sector, and also international now. So I think... Uh, you can basically solve all your needs by buying simpler products as opposed to going out there and trying to choose between like thousands of other products.
you know but one very clear message i'm getting from you is that for young people today you know if you want to make money then you have to start young and 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 the power of compounding starts taking place and and you do end up making money right yeah absolutely you know so i'll give an example you know so if you save at say 18 versus say 24 say say 18 or 30 which is typically 18 is when no one invests and 30 is when everyone invests <laughs> you know so i think uh, if you start at 18 you and if you just put 1 lakh rupees uh, in say any mutual fund and that's growing at say around 14 15% uh, then that uh, that 1 lakh goes to around i think uh, 250 times so 2.5 crore by time wow. of 55 so 250 times when you when you put 1 lakh at your 30 that goes to around 45 or 50 lakh rupees so so i do think that uh, that extra like 40 to 2 and a half crore comes from investing early so which is why i really recommend investors to start early as possible you know i have seen it i've been investing for now 10 12 years and and i think the portfolio is just about to take off and all of that so i think um, I, i think as, as i said you know the trick is to invest early and invest simple and make sure you're disciplined and and you should be okay i think the discipline part is also somewhat um, is is not really there as much Uh, hopefully, I think investors who invest, uh, you know, and don't don't get uh, affected by fluctuations in the market and just keep on investing. You know, you come from a family of finance and numbers and and, and investing, but you've made your own journey of investing, of learning, of building. If you know, if if you had to say that, hey, I wouldn't have got these learnings till I did it myself. What would those be? In fact, you know, I have done that trading when I was much earlier on. In fact, my first internship outside when I was sixteen or seventeen years old uh, was buying and selling stock. You know, and um, I, I I bought I think Dena Bank or something like that when I was at when I was at like sixty or seventy rupees. And uh, I still remember the price. I don't remember prices normally, but basically, you know, I think um, I, I I had a lot of self-esteem. My thought, you know, I knew everything. I was very confident. <laughs> all of that. And uh, after just three or four months, I I figured that there's there's a lot of uh, behavioral biases that work against you when it comes to investing. So I think after that, I never really traded after that. That was a great source of learning. Uh, the second learning is actually, um, you know, most people feel that uh, you can learn all this in books, but it's actually not true. You know, it's like learning how to swim. You have to like jump in the pool. So I do think that investors who end up learning a lot, trying to read up a lot, I don't think that is something which I recommend. You know, go out there, uh, invest first, and at least invest in a simpler product like index fund or any diversified mutual fund, and then you can go with the learning process. Because once you once your skin is skin is in the game, I think you're incentivized to know more and learn more and all of that. So I think those are the two learnings, at least what I've learned uh, very early on. Uh, third is obviously the power of reading. You know, I've been reading uh, voraciously now 10-15 years, and Uh, i do think that the benefits of reading are delayed and cumulative so you know now i think maybe last year i realized oh damn i have actually learned a lot uh, over the last 10 years so i think that is uh, third thing that at least um, i've i've seen the benefits of uh, as i said all three are long term learnings you know so it's it's taking me a while to learn these things but uh, at least um, you know i think uh, whatever experience i had you know i i think it's my responsibility to tell a lot of as many people as possible as to what the correct way is it is you believe in the power of compounding so is it yeah. like where does this belief come from from the mutual funds or it, there is more to it no i think it's uh, i mean we spoke about it earlier you know it's uh, it's to do it's it's actually more to do with mathematics than anything theoretical you know so if we just do the numbers you'll be astounded by how compounding works and and compounding works everywhere it works in biology it works in anthropology it works in finance Uh, it works in mathematics, so I do think that it is a very, it's a very global 
uh, it's a very universal thing you know so einstein said that you know compounding is the eighth wonder of the world and all of that so i do think that um, i think investors who um, and, and the problem is that the reason why it's such a phenomenal theory is because our brains can't understand it you know we think things of uh, in a very linear way yeah uh, whereas compounding doesn't work that way so i think it's it's more to do with that um, and most people underestimate the power of compounding because they think they can make uh, more money than that you know they can make uh, more money than say 10% every year or 12 15% every year and in in effect if they actually just see their last 5 10 15 years they'll have realized that actually you know what the best strategy would have just been you know buy and hold for last 10 years so i do think that um, i think compounding is good but you have to give it time and that is what uh, at least i struggle with you know personally you know convincing people you know effectively i tell people my job is to tell people not uh, not to do anything you know so in fact you know i mean i, I it's sort of disheartening because uh, you know if you look at warren buffett you know the last 30 40 years he's literally if uh, so he has this annual general meet which uh, is very famous you know so you have thousands of uh, investing nerds sort of uh, sort of meet at one point and they basically have a q and a session for 9 hours it's basically two old men uh, talking for 9 hours seems very mm-hmm. boring but it is nothing short of that so i think if you if you see if you will think about that you know he's he's doing it for 30 40 years he's literally yeah. saying the same answers every year and year out and still no one listens to him you know that is quite surprising so if he he couldn't make that impact i don't know what chance i have <laughs> so i think the the idea is you know i obviously i try as hard as you know but i'm just saying that this pandemic also brings closer home the need for thinking long term the need for uh, being more secure in our approach in a way in the way we deal with things in the way we manage our money what you are suggesting is that investing in mutual funds or investing in passive funds uh, could be a very strong alternative to growing and securing your money and future yeah absolutely i think uh, you know it's 10% process 90% psychology so i think investing and waiting uh and and making sure that you are you know i think invested in good and bad times um, i think if you only invest in good times then it doesn't really work out very well but you have to be um, in fact uh, pretty much uh, like a daily like a monthly sort of putting a monthly bank account it should be that sort of a mentality uh in fact you know what what's um, sorry just to segue a little bit uh, what what it is i've seen is the best investors are the ones who don't really have a background in finance you know so some of uh, the most uh, i would say um disciplined investors are like you know doctors lawyers uh, i think that sort of a profile because they don't really understand a lot so they'll just like you know what let me just put my money and let it let it run whereas a lot of people who tend to over analyze you know in fact uh, <laughs> i mean i mean this a uh, lot of ultra hni for example you know i think not to target them as a group but you know they're not really the best investors because they always want to maximize return time the market all of that which i think we've all, we've all learned that uh, it doesn't really doesn't really work over the long term sanya bandeerkar she's saying as a 18 year old how should one start investing or rather learn investment and finance what funds are better active or passive for a long term perspective yeah i think so um, yeah so great questions um, so i think as an 18 year old you know i think uh, i think thinking about investing is i think thinking about it is half the job done i think it's uh, it's good that you're at least thinking about uh, doing it at such early age i think most 18 year olds don't even think about uh, i think yeah. most things so i think it's good i think you know keep it simple you know i think um, have a strategy where you're investing in a simple uh, maybe an index fund or any sort of good quality equity mutual fund you know don't try to bother with buying and selling stocks uh, just buy a diversified fund and 
make sure that uh, don't and don't put all your money there i would say you know keep some of your money in say a debt fund and some of it in an equity fund uh, i think that's pretty much what i would recommend you to do and make sure that you're investing in a disciplined way so don't get disheartened when markets are bad um yeah and the second question is i think uh, to do with uh, what funds are that- better for active and passive so there's no so they're both different approaches uh, there's nothing better or worse about either you know so um, when i was used to when i was managing money for people in the us you know now obviously passive funds are all the rage but uh, if you look at a typical portfolio it's pretty much half active half passive so no one has really won no one has really lost uh, i would say if you want to think make things very simple if you don't want to go out there and trying to go out there and select the right fund which obviously it takes some some effort and also if you don't have an advisor so most of the, most investors today tend to be diy investors then i guess passive funds are a simpler solution harvesh is asking can nris invest in these passive funds if yes how do we go about it and how much corps would be good and where to start yeah so obviously yeah so these so i think even nris can invest in these funds uh, there is no really some regulations uh, against nris uh it depends on where your money is so if you're if you're investing in say an international fund and if your money is not in india then obviously i wouldn't recommend it because you're converting your currency into inr and again usd but if you're looking at something uh, like a nifty or a sensex or say a mid cap fund then yes you can invest uh, there is nothing that's uh, going against you you know uh, pratik you had talked about 20 25% right like allocation yeah. of the money that you get so now this is a good question that in terms of percentages are you uh, you know this 20 25 are you recommending across various asset classes or are you saying that this should be looking you know you should primarily look at one <laughs> i mean if i said various various asset classes then you wouldn't have any money to spend i think uh, <laughs> i think i think i do believe in delay delay gratification but it shouldn't be too delayed you know i think you should have a good life to spend uh, so i think this would uh, basically 25 30% should be highly diversified across different asset classes so equity will obviously be some part of it depending on your risk profile and the rest obviously you can do a mix of say and gold or debt or even international equity so i think those are the typically four asset classes which i would recommend uh, you build a portfolio with okay now this is a question i'm sure many people would have this question this has come from i i i can't see the name is looking at returns from last 3 years 5 years a good indicator to choose a mutual fund given how uncertain future can be or should we look at fund managers past performance what are the parameters against which a fund should be evaluated yeah so this is actually a very good question um, and uh, you should not chase past performance i think uh, the biggest um, i would say damage uh, the mutual fund industry has done is to talk about the top 10 funds top 15 funds top 20 funds i think uh, if you just track the top 10 funds every year they change every year you know so i think very very rarely will you see a top 10 fund remaining top 10 fund over a long time period so i do think that looking at 3 to 5 year performances i think uh, hitting yourself in the foot it's not something which uh, i would recommend even the ratings that you see on these funds are based on past performance so i wouldn't even take the ratings as much seriously i think as you said you know what you said is perfectly right uh, you should look at the fund manager track record and by track record i mean long term track record maybe 10 15 year track record you can look at uh, their investing style investing philosophy uh if you understand which which stocks they've purchased at at, uh, at and for what purpose i think a little bit of a deeper dive into you know their um understanding of, of equity and their investing style will help you in a very big way uh, but i also feel that you know uh, when you do invest in a mutual fund don't expect even though there are times when the performance is really bad 
don't don't like sell those and buy something else you know so in uh, when you're looking making investing if the fund fundamentally not not much has changed then you should just stay invested for a very long time you know the funds do do well and do badly there are cycles for each fund um so a lot of investors end up making a mistake of you know selling underperforming funds and buying outperforming funds i think that is a huge mistake you know i mean you know, make a make a decision make sure you um i would say uh, stuck to it for a very long time uh because you know if you look at power of compounding you know i i spoke about this earlier uh there's one rule for power of compounding you should not you, should, you cannot lose money and by losing money i mean uh converting paper losses into real losses when your portfolio is down maybe 20 30% those are not really losses they are just paper losses but when you sell your portfolio that becomes a real loss and uh, that's when i would say the compounding formula breaks you know so so make sure that compounding formula doesn't break you know so make sure you don't uh, sell your investments at losses you know make sure you're disciplined and make sure that you don't chase returns and keep on juggling mutual funds when you make a choice make sure you've invested in for a very long time is looking at returns from last 3 years 5 years a good indicator to choose a mutual fund given how uncertain future can be or should we look at fund managers past performance what are the parameters against which a fund should be evaluated yeah so this is actually a very good question um, and uh, you should not chase past performance i think uh, the biggest um, i would say damage uh, the mutual fund industry has done is to talk about the top 10 funds top 15 funds top 20 funds i think uh, if you just track the top 10 funds every year they change every year you know so i think very very rarely will you see a top 10 fund remaining top 10 fund over a long time period so i do think that looking at 3 to 5 year performances i think uh, hitting yourself in the foot it's not something which uh, i would recommend even the ratings that you see on these funds are based on past performance so i wouldn't even take the ratings as much seriously i think as you said you know what you said is perfectly right uh, you should look at the fund manager track record and by track record i mean long term track record maybe 10 15 year track record you can look at uh, their investing style investing philosophy uh, if you understand which which stocks they've purchased at at, uh, at and for what purpose i think a little bit of a deeper dive into you know their um, understanding of, of equity and their investing style will help you in a very big way uh, but i also feel that you know uh, when you do invest in a mutual fund don't expect even though there are times when the performance is really bad uh, don't don't like sell those and buy something else you know so in uh, when you're looking making investing if the fund fundamentally not not much has changed then you should just stay invested for a very long time you know the funds do do well and do badly there are cycles for each fund um, so a lot of investors end up making a mistake of you know selling underperforming funds and buying outperforming funds i think that is a huge mistake you know i mean you know, make a make a decision make sure you um, i would say uh, stuck to it for a very long time uh, because you know if you look at power of compounding you know i i spoke about this earlier uh, there's one rule for power of compounding you should not you, should, you cannot lose money and by losing money i mean uh, converting paper losses into real losses when your portfolio is down maybe 20 30% those are not really losses they are just paper losses but when you sell your portfolio that becomes a real loss and uh, that's when i would say the compounding formula breaks you know so so make sure that compounding formula doesn't break you know so make sure you don't uh, sell your investments at losses you know make sure you're disciplined and make sure that you don't chase returns and keep on juggling mutual funds when you make a choice make sure you've invested in for a very long time you know this very interesting question any suggestion for older millennials 30 plus years who want to start now yeah so so this <laughs> this advice is actually quite universal 
I yes, um, I think for millennials, they have a, they have age as a huge. Um, I mean, they they can either make use of their age or they don't. But I think even thirty, if you're looking at say saving for retirement, which I don't know, retirement at sixty-five is not really something most people aspire to nowadays. Uh, I, I I don't think people aspire to retirement at all. So <laughs> I think uh, you know, investing for uh, say thirty, forty years, then I think uh, the earlier you invest, the better. And if you're at thirty, I would say it really depends on uh, what your goals are. You know, so if you're looking to invest for say a house or a car, then you have to be a little bit conservative. Whereas if you're investing for retirement, then obviously you can be a much higher equity allocation. So that's how I would do it. Um, you know, so most people feel that the older you get, the more conservative uh, you should invest in. I don't disagree with that. You know, you might be 85, but you might be saving for your grandkids. You know, uh, you might have a house, you might have a good life. So I think you can be aggressive at that point of time. So I think it depends on goals, uh, what you're saving for. and that should decide your strategy but as i said you know this is universal um and this is how at least um, how most people do it in most other places and it's time tested and it's worked sydney is asking i'm 30 years old and i feel imba- oh i can relate to this not that i'm 30 i'm elder i'm i and i feel embarrassed to say that i have no financial knowledge believe finance knowledge and investing are two different things how does one educate themselves from financial perspective and what basic one should study to get hold of investing basics yeah uh, you know there's um, you know now with the age of internet you know you can yeah. actually learn anything you want in the world you know so there's thousands hundreds and thousands of courses out there uh, you know there's uh, a lot of good books in fact the best books are uh, the books which are 20 years plus old so i would recommend you know i think doing a any basic class on an opera or udemy or whatever it is i think the, some of them are actually really good uh, they talk about um, and i do think when it comes to investing uh, you know look at um, i would say investing in mutual fund look about asset allocation look about uh, so i think those are um, you know how do you look at investing from a long term perspective how do you track your investments so i do think that you know i think uh, with the age of internet there's tons of sources that you can you can use for learning um, you know as i said you know i think uh, it starts with you making the effort so don't wait for too long you know invest first uh, invest in a simple thing and then you know keep learning adding to your knowledge uh, i do think that uh, more than courses more than a cfa degree which i think is uh, not really helpful i think books are very helpful you know so if you just google the top 20 or top 25 investing books you know you i think you have some of the best books uh, in the world you know 95% of people unfortunately don't read them but if you do then uh-huh. you will be in the top tier and uh, you'll, you'll you'll obviously do a great job so i think combination of books and i think uh, you have the internet with you as well and obviously you have me as well so you know if you want please reach out to me and i'm more than happy to uh, you know give you some uh, maybe advice or a list of courses or whatever it is you know so i'm available in social media so You know, Pratik, you said a very beautiful line, which I have actually, you know, I noted it down. You said that uh, reading books, uh, uh, the learnings out of reading books, they are delayed but they accumulate. I have to say, such a path, such a powerful. You know, people who read will understand what this means. Now, you tell me, to you know, if you have to tell me one or two books which have profoundly uh, impacted you. Uh, yeah, so I think stayed with me. I would say. recently or these last two or three years uh, i've i think there's this book called zero to one by peter thiel you know I, yeah. i'm a big fan of him he's a great philosopher uh, writes well speaks well so i think that is one book that has you know really changed my thinking on what how competition is um, i think that's one of the books that has made a made a huge impact uh, there's another uh, i think a book called um, i think um, it's called siddhartha by homan hesse 
so it's more of a philosophical kind but beautiful book yeah. uh, i think uh, you'll feel very calm reading it and it uh, gives a lot of perspective you know when you're busy in all your life and all that so uh, there was this uh, uh, herman hesse he's a herman hesse, herman hesse. Yeah. he's a german yeah. author i think he got the nobel prize for it not sure but yeah a beautiful writer uh and i think um, i think one book that really stands out is this guy called clayton christensen you know he also wrote this book he unfortunately passed away yeah think, uh, six or seven months ago so yeah. he wrote this very good book um, called uh, the innovator's dilemma which uh, i think uh, wrote. and what's strange about that book is that when he launched the book you know it was actually not very popular it failed it didn't really do well in the circles but then andy grove you know the ceo of intel who's also i think one of the i mean if you want to learn about management andy grove is the guy you want to be uh, so so in fact he tweeted or he sent copies to a lot of people and that's how the book became where it is today so i think uh, these uh, three or four books have, at least in the recent past have made a huge impact but in investing you know i would recommend uh, this this book called um, in in intelligent investor you know it's a mm. good book Is a guy called Benjamin Graham. You know, he's a good guy. He's Warren Buffett's mentor, and uh, there's another also this book called uh, Common Profits Uncommon. No, Common Profits, Common Stock Uncommon Profits by Phil Fisher, which I think mm. is uh, also one of the big greats uh, in at least investing. Yeah, Common Stock Uncommon Profits. I'm by this guy called uh, Philip Fisher. He gives you a very good framework about how you should buy and sell stock. You know, he has this. Oh. Uh, this uh, thing called scuttlebutt which is a method that he uses it's very interesting i i i read it like some 15 years ago and picked it up again recently you are on money matters i want to ask you what has money personally what does money mean to you personally yeah so uh, i think uh, you know money is for me it's convenience more than anything else you know it's the freedom to do what i really like doing i think that's what it stands for me i'm pretty a minimalist in terms of how i spend i don't really spend on anything i i wear very simple <laughs> clothes so i think uh, i think i was uh, subject of forced minimalism you know when i was uh, so i i just to a short story i i went to uh, one of the so my wife gone to some of the best schools uh, in the world in silicon valley i followed her there i wanted to support her and we were and and, and unfortunately even if it's the richest school in the world you know it didn't have housing so we were basically crammed in this uh, 220 200 square foot uh, studio or i don't know dorm room whatever you want to call it and we were literally like you know i think the biggest fight we had is you know whether she should get an extra yoga mat which ultimately she didn't unfortunately so i think we were forced uh, we we sort of figured that after living there we were like no you don't really need a lot of stuff to live uh, in fact after that we moved houses three or four times and it was super easy uh, so i don't think that uh, you know uh, you don't really need a lot um um in terms of i think needs so that's basically what it stands for me it's to make sure that you know i have enough to for me to do what i like doing on a daily basis which currently i'm quite lucky to and hopefully i'll be lucky to in the future as well what's the big dream what's the chase what's the what's that something that keeps you extremely driven even if the times are difficult um i think uh, you know so currently it's uh, you know i i more than i, I more than i think uh, you know what more than i guess money or anything you know i want to really have a life where i can create an impact you know somehow uh, i do feel that you know i've managed to learn a lot in finance so i guess finance is where i am i'm trying to learn other stuff too but uh, that's where i guess you know i really want to see myself you know making some sort of impact on a larger scale um, um in i think 10 15 how, how much ever time it takes but that's what really motivates me drives me second is also to have fun on a daily basis i i don't think that 
success is something which you know I really chase after. You know, I think I'm pretty grateful as a person, pretty happy. So I think as long as I'm happy on a daily basis and I'm getting closer to that goal, I think that's basically what keeps me motivated. You know, I think um, as a saying, you know, I think success is uh, getting what you want, and happiness is wanting what you get. So I think that's <laughs> basically, you know, I prefer the second second part of that uh, sentence. You did a startup, and you're now going to do a startup. Are you going to talk about yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's upcoming, coming very soon. Uh, so we're creating. So you know, I was previously managing uh, the the. I was manufacturing products, <clears throat> so I was basically launching these funds. Uh, the second step about this, you know, how do you get these funds into people's portfolios? You know, how do you create? Um, I would say <clears throat> allocations with these funds. So I think uh, we're building a B two C app, which helps uh, investors create goals and make sure that so it's basically you know investing is two types one is trying to buy a fund and the other one is trying to manage behavior so i think i'm trying to build a company where we can actually manage behavior because i think that's where 90% of the crux of investing is so make sure that people are i think one one thing i can do it is by having goals in mind so once you have a goal in mind you know that you're saving for something much bigger than you so it's easy to be disciplined and second is that you know we've learned that uh, you know what you buy and sell doesn't really make a lot of difference to your portfolio i think uh, it's called asset allocation you know so i think how you combine your assets is a lot more important than what this fund or that fund so i think i'm focusing on those two aspects in this company so it's called glide invest you know hoping to launch it in the next couple of months so yeah uh, hope to get uh, i would say at least some good users on board so that we can get feedback and build on it